Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers focused on topics of faith. We are family addressing the family, the body of Christ. Well, welcome once again. Uh, always just a joy to dig it in with you and uh, just to go through God's word. Um, this has been such a rewarding year uh, yes. as we went through books. Um, yeah, this has just been just uh, just the joy of my heart to to learn and grow uh, mm-hmm. and to do it with somebody I love so much. So um, thanks for being you. Thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for not giving up on me. <laughs> <laughs> Never that. I got you <laughs> every day. Till the end. Yeah, no, but this has been this has been amazing, and um, yeah, we're closing out the year. Uh, basically, be hitting kind of a two part um, proverb, so I'm excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. Such a so we won't be doing 31 books today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't get scared, don't get scared. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I was just thoroughly, thoroughly blessed um, reading proverbs because um, it's it's different in the context as we kind of you know look back this year at what we've done. I mean, we've kind of done a lot of epistles. Um, we've done, you know, Psalms, obviously, but, um, you know, Proverbs is kind of, you know, it's not contextual as the epistles were, where they kind of just have like one theme and we're able to just kind of go through and see that, that theme interwoven. Uh, Proverbs is, you know, obviously, you know, each proverb kind of has its own individual uh, message built in. So mm-hmm. um, that was just really cool to just kind of, you know, just navigate that and just kind of walk through that um, in a context or to try to walk that through a context. So that was just, I was blessed um, in my own soul just to kind of, go through that for myself and see um, just a hand of the Lord and, and just um, his um, his plea in Proverbs and, and just um, how we as believers can grow through that wisdom. Um, you know, yeah. Proverbs is, um, or wisdom rather, is something that, you know, we need <laughs> in today's Amen. day. Um, just to see, you know, you know, people joke about common sense and, and things like that. And um, we see just kind of a lot of things that go on um, where people don't, um, don't use wisdom <laughs> or don't, don't apply wisdom, uh, should mm-hmm. I say. And so, uh, we just live in a time where, um, you know, you, wisdom is readily available, um, in the natural sense, you know, we have the internet and we have, uh, so many things that people feel like they can just learn and master in seconds. Um, whereas, you know, the, the wisdom of life is something that is, is we're never going to get that in, in, in windows. We're not going to have that. Um, where we can just, you know, watch a YouTube video or Google something real quick and then everything's going to be okay. So um, just to have gone through this as a refresher and just kind of seen some of the truths that um, was kind of uh, thrust out there for us as, as believers, um, you know, really is, is something that's good to just slow down and just realize, like, what does the Lord want us to, to, to grasp? Um, because we need wisdom. And mm-hmm. um, as we see um, just the, the ignorance and the, um, the pollution of the world, um, you know, it, it's it's a good uh, message to kind of put out there. So, um, yeah, we'll just kind of get into it. Um, it's a book of wisdom, obviously. Um, and the thing I love about it is that they're, they're timeless truths. Um, you know, it has this uh, poetic parallelism that I love, um, you know, being um, not only a, a minister, but, you know, just being a rapper and having that, uh, you know, I love the poetry of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's not something, like I said, that's, that's read contextually. So you can read one chapter and it's kind of like a standalone in a sense. Right. Um, and so um, what I noticed through it, and this was actually really cool is, um, you know, as we look at Proverbs, we kind of always thought it was like, 
there's this, but then there's this, and there was always this opposition um, mm-hmm. in two parallel passages. And that's kind of how I used to always just look at Proverbs. It's like, you're the A or B, you're right or wrong, right? <laughs> and you have these, <laughs> these two contrasts. Uh, but even just to see um, that there's even more than that in it. And so um, I kind of just pulled out four types of parallels um, in Proverbs. And so just kind of just to give a, a quick little overview, not that that'll kind of be uh, the theme of the rest of it, but just, just something just for, for, um, for knowledge sake. Um, the first type is uh, synonymous. So it's one idea that's said in two different ways. Um, so I pulled from that Proverbs 120 and it says wisdom cries aloud in the street and the market, she raises, she raises her voice. So it's, Two different sayings, uh, but the same theme. Um, you know, wisdom is is loud. Um, the second one is antithetical, uh, which is two opposing thoughts. So this is kind of the one that we're probably most familiar with. And Proverbs ten one says, "A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother." Um, the third is emblematic, so a literal and a figurative comparison. Um, Probably not as frequent, but uh, one that was really good. Um, Proverbs eleven twenty two, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Um, mm-hmm. So just being described in um, a very illustrative way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, um, is synthetic, uh, where it's basically saying one thing, but the second time it's said, it's more emphatic. And so uh, Proverbs sixteen four, uh, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. So. Um, those are kind of some as we go into Proverbs and as we're reading the book, you, you can kind of say, oh, OK, I see that one there. Um, and kind of what does that mean as we go through? But um, really just want to kind of just get into like why Proverbs. And I know um, next month as we get into it, we'll kind of just really hone on wisdom specifically. But today I, I kind of want to just focus on um, the why of wisdom um, and, and what is Proverbs about? What is it getting to? What is it saying to us? Um, and so really just, um, you know, three W's that I pulled, um, just the welcome. So Proverbs kind of gives um, kind of a challenge um, or, or kind of this call to, hey, you know, seek wisdom. Um, and then it kind of gives, you know, four warnings um, about um, or four contrasts of um, seeking wisdom. And what is the contrast between wisdom and this other uh, theme? And then lastly, just kind of uh, the one, what is our response to that? So mm-hmm. um the welcome um, is uh, I found in Proverbs 1, uh, 20 through 23. And it says, wisdom calls out in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. So this is wisdom giving her pitch. Um, she's kind of setting the table and, you know, kind of placing the options before you. Do you want to be wise or do you want to be a fool? Um, and kind of saying that these are the risks and the reward of each. Um, so what will you do? And what I found um, is that um, kind of the request is that we should be attentive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kept seeing that theme over and over and over as, you know, we know that Solomon wrote a majority of the Proverbs, right? Um, if you read um, chapter 30 and 31, you know, it's written by two different individuals, I believe, Agur and Lemuel, if I'm saying those correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know for the most part that this is kind of Solomon preaching. And obviously Proverbs 1 once says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not rocket science to, to figure that out. But um, as you're going through this, like he keeps saying, like, listen, my son, like hear my son. And so he's talking to his son. It's like, that's a dad giving his wisdom to his children. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, as we think about ourselves, like what would we say to our children? What do we want to pass down? What do we want them to know? Um, and so this is kind of something that he's giving to them. Um, 
And he said that at least three times, um, you know, in four, one, he says, hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Um, further on in that same chapter, 20 and 21, he says, my son, be attentive to my words. Um, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. And then lastly, in, in chapter five, verse one and two, he says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. So you keep hearing this repetitive theme of be attentive, be attentive, be attentive. Um, and why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe that um, it, it, it has to do with, you know, as you pay attention to something. Um, he's also saying, like, not only hear me, but incline your ear to that. Um, and I believe that with attention and inclination should then lead to reformation. And so mm. that acronym is AIR. Wow. Um, and so just as we need AIR to survive naturally, I believe that um, AIR gives you life spiritually. So if you're attentive mm. to the wisdom of God um, and then you incline, which means you are obedient to that, um, then lastly, it should lead to reformation, which is change. And um, I know you're all over that uh theme because you know you love to say here receive obey which i believe is very uh synonymous with that so uh before we get into the warnings of that um, just kind of as a an overview of hey get wisdom um what are your kind of introductory thoughts on the welcome of wisdom wow i mean everything that you took away with um tying in attentiveness is my um my thought of the purpose you know, of mm-hmm. the whole point of Proverbs, like the things that Solomon's sharing, the things that the dad is saying. And even when you when you said, like, this is a dad speaking to his son. I mean, God is our father and he's speaking to us as his children. So throughout the word, that's what he's been doing is speaking to his sons, his spiritual children, his natural children on the earth, um, trying to get us to, uh, again, give us his attention, um, incline our ears to him and then reform our ways to what he's saying. So yeah, uh, the purpose of it um, is what kind of pulled out um, for me, which came from verses two through four. Um, it says their purpose, which the Proverbs, the purpose of the Proverbs is what he's talking about, is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise, um, to receive instruction in wise behavior and the discipline of wise thoughtfulness, righteousness, justice, and integrity to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Um, And in other words, these Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. So the purpose of reading the Proverbs, sharing the Proverbs, hearing sayings like this is so that you're taught wisdom and discipline. And how many times has he said wise or wisdom just through that section of, of passage there, teaching people wisdom, understand insights of the wise, instructed in wise behavior, discipline of wise thoughtfulness. So you cannot have discipline, you can't have wisdom without discipline. Mm. And that's one thing that I feel like we've gotten so far away from (laughs) in society, um, not just in the body of Christ, in society itself. And we know that the word talked about, you know, um, how parents discipline their children and how no discipline is appreciated, liked, joyful, delightful in the moment. But after the fact, when you're exercised by it, um, you see that it yields the the fruitful benefit of all the things that discipline is intended to do. And we're talking about purposeful, intentional 
discipline. We're not talking about abuse. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about actual <laughs> wisdom that we are allowed to um, employ. And he says that your parents did what they did according to their own pleasure. Whatever they saw fit was best for them to do for you, according to discipline, um, training us up in the way that we should go to the best that they knew how to do. Some of them were godly, some of them weren't, but still discipline is a factor that everyone across the board, for the most part, can agree with is a necessary factor in life to have. And we're talking godly and ungodly. We're talking military people. That's kind of a main thing in force there is discipline because that's what you need in order to follow what is required of you. Um, at work, you have certain things in place so that if you don't follow them, there's a disciplinary structure there. So we are set up in so many places in our life that we can't get away from discipline, school, work, church. I mean, discipline is just all over the government. It's a, it's an institution that we are supposed to be, um, conscious of. So again, um, you can't have wisdom without a discipline. And, and we get to a point where we're instructed by external forces for discipline, but then there should be a point of self-discipline that keeps you um, walking in a path of wisdom, if that makes sense. So um, even in along, along those same lines, verse 23, still in chapter one says, come and listen to my counsel. So that's another, you know, you're talking about the pitch the table being set and wisdom crying out, raising their voice. Um, it's, you know, a plea to listen to my counsel. How many times as parents, you know, and I can speak as a parent of an older child mm -hmm. um, that you're pleading with your child. And that's what God does with us. He pleads with us to listen to his counsel. And this is what that verse says in 23, come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. Turn at my, repro my reproof and rebuke. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. So listen, like what more can I say? How much more can I convince you to listen to what I'm saying? I am pouring my heart. I'm willing to share my heart with you. And this will make you wise. And a lot of times we don't listen because we think we know better. <laughs> um, we think our way will work out better than what it sounds like you're, you're offering to us. And all of us who were wayward know that our way was not the right way. And um, the last one I love to share all the time when I am in, cannot get away with it without using this is verse seven. It says, mm -hmm. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge, but a fool is someone who will despise wisdom and instruction. They don't want to receive discipline. They don't want to be told anything. So when you're calling someone just randomly a fool, understand that biblically, when someone is being called a fool, it's because of the fact that they are someone who is rejecting and despising the wisdom and instruction of the Lord. So that's okay. what I have to offer to your point. <laughs> Purpose. <laughs> No, that's good. And I like how you just said, um, you know, the discipline and you talked about that um, and how people don't like discipline. Um, and the thought came to me that discipline is designed to get you disciplined. Mm -hmm. But think about that. Trained, not troubled. So most people think of discipline as, oh, I'm in trouble. But discipline is actually to help you develop the regiment to stay on the task that you're supposed to stay on. So if we think of discipline as a healthy 
opportunity for us to stay trained, you're not in trouble, <laughs> right. if that makes sense. So discipline obviously has the same root word as someone who wants to be disciplined in a craft or um, some sort of trait. So mm -hmm. discipline is to help you be disciplined <laughs> if that's what you're designing. Right. And so that's why, um, you know, we need those opportunities to be able to continue to shape us and to remind us of where we're supposed to be. So right. um, I, I love how you, you brought that out. Yeah. And just lastly, really quick, how can you be a disciple without discipline? Mm. Mm. There it is, too. <laughs> there it is. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Same route. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll get into. So that's the welcome, obviously. So, you know, if they're well, if wisdom is welcoming us to something, you know, then what is that? So I'm kind of just pulling away four warnings. Um from the book of Proverbs um, and I just kind of saw some recurring themes there um, that they were kind of comparing and contrasting. So I just want to just walk through those real quick. So um, the first one, and they'll start with R. So hopefully I'll help you remember if you're, you're listening, but uh, the first one is reason um, and that's wisdom and folly contrasted. And so the warning is um, a fool lacks sense and discretion um, is mentioned as simple and is on a path of destruction. So choose wisdom. Um, reason is the ability to have sense or sound judgment. And we know that obviously, as you mentioned earlier, that this wisdom comes from God, right? Um, this mm -hmm. sense comes from God. And so um, when you look at a wise man versus a fool, um, just like you said in, in um, one seven, you know, one hates knowledge and the other seeks it. So um, think about your life and, you know, are you that person that, oh, I know it, I got it, I got it, you know, or are you willing to listen to counselors, you know, gauge yourself in, in that regard. Um, but I love how Proverbs 9 actually parallels, um, you know, Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. So obviously, you know, as you read through Proverbs, you're going to hear this um, woman, if you will, you know, discussing and making her pitch. Hey, you know, listen to me, you know, I'm, I'm crying out for you, you know, I'm helping, you know, I'm calling the simple ones, you know, don't fall into that, that uh path. But what I, I read as I was going through Proverbs 9 um, is that both Lady Wisdom and both Lady Folly actually made the exact same proposition. Wow. <laughs> um, so if you look at um, Proverbs 9, 4 through 6, and then Proverbs 16 through 18, that's both of them actually um, calling the same man. And so um, Wisdom first um, in verse 4, she says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So, okay. Yeah. Sounds great. So, you know, you're at, you know, these two tables and, you know, they're both, you know, trying to recruit and this is your, your recruit for wisdom. And then Lady Folly in verse 16, she says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. So the exact same wow. <laughs> recruiting pitch. And to him who lacks sense, she says, now this is what she says, stolen water is sweet and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So just as you were initially talking about the fact that people don't love to be trained, people don't want to hear, you know, want to just figure it out on their own or whatever the case is. When you choose to walk the path of a fool, it sounds great on paper, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but verse 18 says, he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So oh. what we think as we walk down this path of, of, of foolishness is that we have no, we don't even understand the blindness that comes with being a fool. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's what I, I, I thought is like, man, if we can just get to this understanding, like as we are even like raising our children to understand, like, get wisdom and get understanding, right? This right. is what, what the pitch is. So uh, before kind of going into a, a couple of qualities of each, kind of want to just give you an opportunity just to kind of respond to that. 
So when you talked about folly, I had that down because that was one of the things I wanted to mention is like when you hear that word folly in the Bible, it, it means that you lack good sense, which as you mentioned in the beginning, common sense is not common, mm -hmm. um, normal prudence and foresight. And then the other part is it's excessively costly or unprofitable undertaking, mm. um, which means that you lack the caution or circumspection as to risk or danger. So that totally goes with what you just said about that verse 18. He does not know that the dead are there and the guests are in the depths of Sheol, AKA hell. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we don't understand how really injurious it is to be a person um, lacking good sense. And we don't have an excuse for lacking good sense because we have the opportunity to come and listen to the counsel that gives us good sense. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want to say that part alone um, while you're still sharing the other things, because I just want you to just go forth and just share the other, you know, I just want to say that part though. Yeah. And I think, you know, we hit James, uh, you know, a few months ago and actually twice. So, um, you know, if, if you're a faithful listener, you, you're without excuse, right? <laughs> but, you know, Bible says, you know, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask. So, you know, that we have the ability to find the wisdom, you know, and obviously Proverbs is saying, seek that. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be able to be look be on the lookout for that but uh yeah just to, just to kind of you know as we're talking about the warnings you know just kind of give the contrasts um and so you know i, I have a couple of a contrast for wisdom and folly but uh wisdom directs and folly deceives um this is proverbs 14 um, 8 and 18 and it says the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way but the folly of fools is deceiving. So obviously that's right out of the Bible. So I'm not just being creative. This is, you know, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then verse 18 is the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. So, you know, wisdom, if you seek wisdom, it will direct and guide your path. Obviously we know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? You know, mm -hmm. let him direct your path. Uh, folly, just as we mentioned um, in, in chapter four is that it is deceptive. So it sounds great. And it's like, man, you know, that that's entertaining and, and enjoyable um, and it's less work. Um, but just like you said, it's, it's injurious and we don't realize um, just how devastating it is. Um, and in Ecclesiastes 10, uh, two through three says a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, um, but a fool's heart to the left. Um, mm. And then even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. So um, you might not think that you're a fool. <laughs> I want to finish that sentence. But yes, uh, it is deceptive. <laughs> um, can I answer something really sure quick? Because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of goes back to what I just said about that foresight, lacking foresight and good sense. Um, if Ephesians 5, 15 and 17 says, therefore, see that you walk carefully. And you're talking about walking to the left and walking to the right when he walks on the road. So that's what made me think about this right now. Mm -hmm. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil tolerate and enable, mm. not as the unwise, but as wise, yes. sensible, intelligent, discerning people. 17 says, therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. That's it. I mean, 
how much more do you think they just said it in Proverbs about being fools and they left it alone in Proverbs? This mm -hmm. stuff, we see this every day. Yeah. This is a, a perpetual issue. Yeah, no, that's good. And and Ephesians is quickly becoming like one of my favorite books because it's just the, <laughs> just the practicality of a lot of these things that we've been talking about this year is just, you know, mm -hmm. I keep, I feel like I just keep coming back to Ephesians, coming back to Ephesians. Uh, but um, it's true, you know, we... Again, we have to seek it, but again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So yes. you can find anywhere in the word <laughs> the wisdom of, of the Lord. And that's right. Um, you know, one of our favorites um, is um, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So yes. every situation that we ever face, there's an answer for that if we're willing to seek it out. So mm -hmm. um, that's what I love. Um, and that's a good segue into point number two is wisdom defends and folly destroys. Um, Ecclesiastes 7, um, 11 through 12, and then verse 19, it says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. That's deep. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, um, and an advantage to those who see the sun. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. So the fact that we are always chasing things um, that make us more profitable, more successful, more whatever, fill in the blank. But wisdom is that that brings life. Wisdom is that that actually is the protecting uh, factor because, um, you know, you can have the whole world. What does the Bible say? You know, he has the whole world but gains, but loses his soul. Like, what profit is that? So the fact that we seek wisdom and seek the Lord, that's stronger than anything that we can ever put our hands on. Yeah. Um, and then just to... Um, uh, to contrast that, Proverbs 5, 22 through 23 says the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. Uh, so again, folly destroys and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. So again, seeking wisdom is your defense um, in the world, whereas walking in the ways of, of foolishness um, is a destruction to you. Um, and uh, one of my favorites, obviously, um, 26 11 says like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly so um again just that deception that is destructive you'll continually to run into that um and you are a fool because of the blindness and because of the repetition of your evil and wicked ways so mm -hmm. um seek wisdom um any thoughts on that piece yeah so i just wanted to add um proverbs 6 20 through 23 to tie right into what you use from that ecclesiastes verse because that was awesome right there um, and this says, my son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect or reject your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So he's saying that if you will obey the commands and their instruction, their words, those words, those commands, those instructions are going to lead you, protect you and advise you because those things are the things that are light and illuminate your path. They are the things that are the way of life. So it's super important to not just let it go in one ear and out the other. It really is, like you said, that verse there, that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So to me, that 
pulls in the idea of the power of the Proverbs, the power of the counsel, the power of the commands, the power of wisdom and instruction to be able to preserve you, to protect you, to counsel you, to advise you through your, your walk of life. Yeah. And I like uh, how you use 623 because it says for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light. And immediately my mind went to Psalms. You already know. Dude, yes. That's my thought too. I'm like, we started the year with that. Yes, so absolutely. Um, and, and what does it say? Your word is a lamp into my feet. And I like, yes. so obviously yes. we can, can deduce that the commandment that they are preaching is the commandments of the Lord. Right. <laughs> and again, this is Solomon. So where does Solomon's wisdom come from? His wisdom comes from God. So right. the fact that, you know, we're not just saying, Hey, just listen to whoever, you know, whoever sounds wise and, and seems like they have a lot of wisdom or, or a lot of, um, you know, street cred, you know, listen to them. No, it's, are they preaching the commandments of the Lord? Are they wise in the counsel of God? Um, so it's not just anything that, you know, makes you wise. But are you wise in God? Uh, because right. we obviously know that there are two worldviews and two perspectives and two contrasting themes. So um, you have to be selective in what it is that you choose to listen to. Because, again, a fool can sound wise <laughs> to himself, um, but a fool is quickly made known um, by showing his, his time his out, story. time <laughs> out, time all the way out. <laughs> all, look here. Okay, I wasn't. I was trying not to do this. But <laughs> first, let me say this one thing. Who was Solomon's father? David. King David. Mm -hmm. David was what? The apple of God's eye, mm. right? He was beloved of God. So who do you think imparted a lot of the things that Solomon could now impart to somebody else? Facts. Okay. Yeah. So when we are parents who are led by God, and this goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. So it keeps going back. There's another mm. source and another source. There's another source. It keeps going back to Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 8, he talks about how we are supposed to tell our children and talk about the Lord and tell them, teach him his ways. Talk about them in the morning when we're sitting down, when we're lying down, when we're coming and going, have them all around the house tell your children these things. Well, do you not think that David was telling his children these things? Absolutely. But Solomon didn't always listen. So we know that from the very things that he went through, that he's talking about some of these things from personal experience. Yeah. We're not here to teach all of his errors and how they combine into the Proverbs, but it's a deep thing that you can probably get an idea from some of those areas. Mm -hmm. But this is where he gets some of those things from because there were times that he probably did listen and spared himself some things. And there were obviously times that he didn't listen and had to find out by experience. Right. So that's the one thing. But I wanted to plug this part about being wise in their own eyes, because the Bible says this in seven different places. And I'm not going to say all seven, but there is a wisdom of the world, man's wisdom is not the same wisdom of God. And so we are often told, Proverbs 3 and 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, have reverent on obedience and turn entirely away from evil. It says it in Proverbs 12 and 15, that the way of a fool who's arrogant and rejects God's wisdom is right in his own eyes. But a wise and prudent man is one who listens to counsel. Proverbs 26 and 5 talks about <laughs> men will be wise in his own eyes. He says, answer a fool according to his folly. Otherwise, he'll be wise in his 
own eyes if he mm. thinks you agree with him. Proverbs 26 and 12 says, do you see a man who is unteachable and wise in his own eyes, full of self-conceit? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So there are more that I could continue to go on. But the point is, we cannot be wise in our own eyes. The only wisdom that we can have is the wisdom that matches up and lines up with what God has said is wisdom according to his word. So if our wisdom does not match what he's saying, then we're wise in our own eyes and it's not wisdom at all. Mm-hmm. It's wisdom of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm that done. might be a whole other episode with that <laughs> set, those seven references. So uh, <laughs> you might want to hang on to that little piece. <laughs> Oh man, that's good. That's oh good. my goodness. Yeah, so I'm done. I'm done with that. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my apology. <laughs> I digress. Um, <laughs> so last one on, on the wisdom and, and folly contrast is wisdom discerns and folly divides. So I think you probably just said it beautifully, but I'll just kind of just throw these scriptures out there just for uh, public consumption. So uh, Proverbs 29, 9 and 11. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs and there is no quiet. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. And then Proverbs fourteen twenty nine is whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So what I kind of wanted to deduce from this piece um, and really just kind of share is that um, obviously, wisdom discerns and folly divides. So that discerning quality is the ability to know when to shut your mouth. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and folly, um, you know, again, it says if a, if a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs um, and he gives full vent to a spirit. But if a wise man quietly holds it back, like the ability to know when it's not okay to continue speaking. Mm-hmm. Like that is one thing for me that, cause I'm a, I'm an arguer by nature. Cause obviously I'm a speaker and I debate and, you know, I love to help kind of sh- like stir people to the right direction. Like I've been in conversations that probably have extended further than they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this for me was, was really, you know, fruit to my spirit, but it, it's important that we understand, um, you know, to use our words carefully and to choose our words wisely and to be willing to, to speak less um, and one, like let the spirit do his job for one, but yeah. two, um, like recognizing that how much words can get us in trouble, not just what we say, but yeah. when we say it, how we say it. And obviously there's tons of Proverbs that talk about, you know, a timely word is, is good in season and it's better than silver and gold and, and all of those things. Like we recognize the power of words and the fruit of being edifying in season and all of that. But the ability to discern like, okay, it's, this is not the moment. Like, I know this is important, but it's not the moment, you know, and to mm-hmm. be able to, to quell um, and be discerning, like only wisdom can do that for you. Only the spirit of the Lord right. can, can give you that wisdom. Whereas you just feel like, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it and I'm going to just get it out and not paying attention to anything else, not valuing any um, emotions or whatever's going on in that situation. Whereas folly can divide relationships based on mm-hmm. the fact that there's a rage and there's, there's emotions that are connected to that. And, or you say something that untimely. Um, so that was just a, a good uh, reminder just to remember that um, wisdom is not just wise, but it actually helps even in protecting relationships, which I thought was profound. Right. Your thoughts on that. Yeah. So that honestly just ties into a couple thoughts. Um, one in Ephesians where it talks about let no unwholesome communication come mm-hmm. out of your mouth, but that which is edifying to the hearer. Um, 
And just how awesome God is that when we are able to be self-reflective like you just did, and I'm all about self-awareness, like I'm a big person on that because I feel like we should be able to know, like the Bible says, examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. Like that's self-examination right there. That's Mm -hmm. self-awareness. And so for you to be able to say that, um, how many other people can like look at themselves and say, there have been moments in my life, whether it be past or present, that I have been out of pocket when it comes to conversations or debates or striving with people and so on and so forth. And the beautiful thing about God is this is what the purpose and the PowerPoint PowerPoint mm, mm. <laughs> that I had of the word and, and the Proverbs specifically in this aspect, because as we give attention and incline ourselves to the Proverbs, then we reform ourselves according to the word, be not just hearers of the word, but doers of it. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds and the word is what renews our minds. But um, Proverbs 7, 1 and 2 kind of fortifies this point because it says, my son, keep my words. Now, again, I want us to think about, yes, this is often you hear them saying, my son, my child, my son, my child. Again, as many as received him to them, he gave them power to become the sons of God. Okay. So as many as received his words are willing to hear, receive him and obey him to them. He is giving us the power to become his sons. Um, Keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Now I need you to follow and be serious. I'm not trying to be like, condescending here, but we have to really like seriously take this to heart. Keep my words does not mean keep a Bible in your house somewhere. Mm. Okay. Keep my words does not mean like have access to it, but never look at it and use it. Keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Mm. So they are readily available to guide you. You having the Bible in the bookshelf and you can't pull up a scripture in the Rolodex of your spirit in the brain is not going to help you in the moment that you need to have a pause, pump your break moments. Let me hold the Holy Spirit. Check me. Check you. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Verse two says, keep my commandments and live again. Mm. Don't keep the Ten Commandments on the bookshelf. Keep them, maintain them, have them written in your hearts and in your mind and live keep my teaching as the law and the apple of your eye. So this is three different times that he said, keep my words, keep my commandments and keep my teaching as the law and the law is the apple of your eye. And uh, one other translation that says, guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Now, when I mentioned about David earlier saying that he was the apple of God's eye, this is a phrase that comes from a Hebrew expression that literally means the little man of the eye. Mm -hmm. So it's talking about there's this little tiny reflection of yourself that you can see in another person's pupil. So to be the apple of someone else's eye clearly means that you are being focused on and watched closely by that other person your very image is central in the eyes of that person. So we need to, if if we are considered as the, the apple of God's eye, why could we not look at his word as precious enough to be guarded as the apple of our own eyes? And why are we not guarding it as if it's precious as we would guard our very own physical eyesight? Hmm. So. That's deep. <laughs> the last thing I just want to put on there is 15 and 12, which says a scoffer, unlike a wise man, 
um, resents one who rebukes him and tries to teach him, nor will he go to the wise for counsel and instruction. So a person who is a scoffer despises the person who would attempt to correct them and um, despises the person who would attempt to teach him. And he will not go to the wise for counsel or instruction. So if he knows that you are truly wise, according to the word of God, that person is not going to come to you because they don't want to hear the truth. And I'm quite sure that a lot of us can um, think of people in our lives that we know don't want no parts of what we have to offer them if they were in need of counsel, words, advice, whatever. So I'm done with that. <laughs> and I'll pass it back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, that's wisdom and folly. So, um, and again, that's reason as the first warning. So second warning is riches. Um, so we're going to contrast poverty and poverty, excuse me, and riches. And the warning is it's not about the money. Don't neglect the stewardship of God's gift to you. This, I think, was super, super profound to study this, because I think anytime we think about money, we think about money in the terms of getting it or not having it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this actually wasn't even really the situation. Um, and so that's what I loved about it. Um, and so the parallel was not that we should all be prosperous, but to be a good steward and use the resources that we have wisely. So again, obviously, we're, we're talking about wisdom. So I don't think the aim of God is for every person in the world to be rich. But um, understanding the character and the purpose of what it means to be rich. And we're not talking about being a millionaire. We're talking about being rich, mm -hmm. bountiful. Um, and so we'll just kind of dive into that a little bit. But the first one is riches provide and poverty refuses. And so this, as we go into it, I think you'll start to understand the difference between the two. So Proverbs 22, 9 says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Um, and then Acts 2.45 is, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. So we see it in scripture where Jesus declares that we should give to those in need and he blesses those who bless, who bless others. So the point is not, hey, get rich. But when you have something, you don't have to have a, a lot to be able to give. And I think that right. people naturally think, okay, when I get a million dollars, then I can sow a percentage to this. And I used, I remember when I was younger, I used to say, man, like, I just want to be rich so that I can give and feeling like I needed to have enough for myself before I could give to somebody else, but I could be broke and still give to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And we're not necessarily just talking about finances. We're just talking about whatever you have of your substance. Like if I have an extra jacket, am I willing to give that up? Um, mm -hmm. I was actually cleaning out my backyard yesterday and we were talking about just like the stuff I had in the garage as we were cleaning out and making space. I'm just like, I'm thinking about, man, I can use this at some point. And I was there with my son and it was like, there's somebody in need right now that might need that situation. Like it might be a spare bed. I'm like, okay, like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna put that up if I ever need it or we'll switch out or whatever the case is. But like right now, like six months of the year, I might not be using it. Like I can give that to somebody who needs a bed the whole year. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's things like that where we need to get the mindset of if we have in plenty, we should be able to give back. And so that's mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about being prosperous or, or having a level of wealth in whatever capacity that is, is that the Lord is willing to bless you when you have a spirit of giving back, not simply just like, oh, I want to make you more rich so that you could just have funds. But no, it's what are you going to do when I provide for you? Mm -hmm. Are you able to provide for others? So I think that is the kind of the reciprocating factor. So um, when you don't have, obviously you're, you're refusing to give because you're not in a position to give and be a steward of that. So mm -hmm. um, your thoughts on that piece? Um, honestly, my thoughts on the whole riches aspect is not even the, the financial piece and the materialistic, 
materialistic way that you just um, defined it, like tangibly, it's more the idea of what we value. So Proverbs says it in three different places this way. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. It says, um, that's 315. 8 and 11, it says, wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. And then 20 and 15 says, wise, wise words are more valuable than much gold and many rubies. So if we think about at that point in time, it wasn't cash and coin. Mm -hmm. It was various different things um, for, for what would be money or riches. Um, jewels and precious metals, gold, silver, these things were highly valued back in those days. And for God to say even back then that wise words and wisdom is better than gold and rubies, nothing in the entire world that you can desire compares with wisdom. You can't put a price on that. No. So even with what you're saying about, you know, it's, it's a state of our heart and it, it kind of goes back to Matthew, like where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we just talked about Proverbs 7, treasure my commandments. If we don't treasure the commandments of God, but we treasure things on the earth more than that, like it doesn't compare with wisdom. You'd rather have things than you would rather have the wisdom of God. You'd rather have whatever it is tangible that money can purchase or a fatter bank account than and be spiritually bankrupt. Like mm -hmm. that's not okay. Yeah. But why are we okay with that? Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Uh, so last point on riches is, or contrast rather is riches produce and poverty rests. Um, and so I'm reminded of Proverbs six, um, where it says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Um, and then uh, Proverbs 10, 4, through 4 and 5 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So it's focused more on the character than the position. So we're not talking about the fact that it's a sin if you're in poverty. I mean, obviously, you know, circumstances are circumstances and life situations happen. And um, if you were in a state of poverty based on circumstances either outside your control or something happened, we're not saying you're in sin because of that situation. It's more so talking about the spirit behind poverty is in the sense that you lack and are unable to be a blessing to others because of your inability to be slothful or because mm -hmm. you have been slothful. So I think that is more the ideology. Um, again, it's not, hey, we should all be pursuing a way to, to, to be super wealthy, but it's what is your spirit in terms of the fact that whatever God has given you to do. I mean, obviously we, we have the story and I actually read that this morning about uh, the widow and the two mites. Like she was actually more valued than those who were given a ton because she gave out of her heart and out of what she had. It wasn't like, oh, I'm given a ton. So you should be looking at me. So it's not about the fact that you have more so you can give more and you look better giving more, but it's about the fact that whatever you have, are you in a position to give it and do you have the heart to give it? So um, I think that when we talk about riches and poverty, it's not talking about searching for riches, but more so in your richness and whatever level that is, are you willing to have the character of giving rather than looking for a way to just continue to serve and, or sorry, continue to, to profit 
uh, for yourself. So um, that's kind of what I, I believe the passage is, is getting to. And I, I won't add too much to that. I just love how God uses nature to illustrate his points and sometimes put us to shame, <laughs> to be honest with you, because um, he's saying, look at the ways of an ant and be wise. The ants don't have someone ruling over it, telling it what to do, but yet it does this without having to be told. Hmm. So looking at them, how long will you do this? Sluggard, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's like God is amazing. It really is. And it also just makes me think about something that um, we talked about at church last week, and it actually came from a C.S. Lewis idea. But <clears throat> the pastor had said, that birds don't decide when they're flying south for the winter. Like the weather's changing right now for people on the East Coast and cold weather states, and they're about to be flying south. And so he was basically giving this analogy that birds do not get together and have a powwow and have a discussion and a vote on when we're, we're flying south. He says they don't decide. Instinct demands that they go. Mm instinct lets them know it's time to go it's time to move and that in itself is just kind of like the same thing like creatures on the earth don't even have a spirit <laughs> to even you know have to be told or have to seek a decision maker or a person or a leader to tell them hey guys let's do this it's in their nature. It's embedded in them. Like God just creatively placed it in them to do the things that they do. I mean, it's fascinating. That's deep. And there's a unity to it. Like I was actually parked somewhere on the street parallel and there was a ton of ants just like rolling by my car um, as we got out. And my daughter was like, Oh man, there's a bunch of ants right there, daddy. And I think she wanted me to move. <laughs> and I was like, baby, they're not going to touch our car. Don't worry about it. Like we're not going to come back and our car's going to be infested because they were on mission. Like right. they were carrying food from one place to another. So I'm like, they're going home. Like they ain't worried about my car. <laughs> like, right. in there. Um, but even just that, like there was a unity to like, I mean, there's like a thousand ants there. Um, right. They were just passing food and getting it in. And um, yeah, they, they were so laser focused. Like they weren't worried about the fact that people pulled up, they kept it moving. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, that's just, just fascinating. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so last point on, on riches and poverty is, are you content or contentious? Um, and I, I take that from first Timothy six, uh, six through 11, where it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content, which obviously most of us are not, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, that's a, a, a human struggle. Right. And it says, mm -hmm. but those who desire to be rich, fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So the question I want to ask in relation to that is, what is your attitude towards wealth? Mm. Do you serve it or do you serve others with it? Because when you think about money, again, this passage says, don't pursue looking to be rich. But in your wealth, God has given you the ability to serve other people with that wealth. And so it's not about how much you can store in your, in your cupboard and look good having a million dollars or whatever the amount is. But does that million dollars give you the capacity to want to give back to mm -hmm. others? Or are you continually chasing the next million? Um, so again, it's the spirit of what you have, not 
the substance of what you have. Um, and just real quick, Proverbs 11 speaks highly to that. Um, 25 and 26 says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. So again, it's the spirit of giving. Um, and then earlier in that passage is four, verse 4 and then verse 18. It says, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Nice. The wicked earned, earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. So mm -hmm. the focus is on the kingdom and on being able to serve people, not on the ability to continue to gain wealth. Yeah. And honestly, like that last line, when you said, oh, man, a God flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness and gentleness. Those are things that you we all should be valuing above um, finances. I mm -hmm. mean, we obviously know that we need financial things in this society that we live in. We know that in the world we'll have bills, we'll have financial needs. But what does God tell us in Matthew? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness other things are going to be added unto you. He said he knows the things that we need before we ask of them. He says that we are more valuable to him than the birds of the air and they don't even sow, they don't even the, they don't even work, but yet they are fed daily. God provides for them. So he says if I provide for them every day and they don't even have to to work for it, if you are more valuable to me and of much more value to, than they are, what makes you think I'm not going to provide for you? Hmm. Yeah. and this just makes me think like how much of our finances i mean we all love to do extracurricular activities we'll go to the movies we'll go to sporting events we'll go ha have coffee you know whatever the case is but like how much of our finances beyond our tithes and offering do we give to the kingdom of god and when i say the kingdom of god i'm not talking about like sowing into a mission or anything like that although those things are great but even just in terms of like serving others like mm -hmm. we don't think about that like we think about oh man i got an extra hundred bucks like i'm gonna go buy something or i'm gonna go to the movies or i'm gonna buy dinner for my family like we think about ways to continue to spend money where we can enjoy and have pleasure pleasuring situations like how often do we ever think about man like let me call somebody up and like take them out to coffee or like, let me like just buy something and like meet a need for somebody. Like how often do we let our money serve others, but it always serves our desires. And mm -hmm. we get really, really selfish with 90% of our income. Right. And we're like, okay, I gave God the 10%. I'm good. Like whatever the, the church wants to do with that, like, you know, go serve the church or go serve the, the, the world. Whereas the 90%, we think that we get to do whatever we want to do with that. And I think that's the point of this is like, are you willing to give above and beyond what you think you're required to give in order to serve the body of Christ and serve right. those around you. And I think that's really like the telling of your, of our heart is what do we do with our finances and what mm -hmm. are we, what's serving us? You know what I'm saying? Like we need to be able to serve others with, with finances. I know money is always a, a sensitive subject for people, but like at the end of the day, we can never say we don't have enough because I can go spend five bucks on a coffee tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and not even think about how far that $5 would go and, the, and blessing someone else, whether it's like, hey, I'm just going to buy somebody a $5 gift card or I'm going to take somebody to Taco Bell and just, you know, spend an hour with them. Like if we're willing to just look outside of ourselves, we can be doing the very same thing with that money, but just get it outside of ourselves and let it serve other people as well. I think mm -hmm. that's the shift that we need to kind of get to. And I'm, again, I'm preaching to the choir because it's so easy to think, man, if I if somebody gave me a, an extra bonus at work, like what am I going to do with that? Like I'm going on vacation. Or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Not thinking about the fact that there's needs all around me that I can mm -hmm. serve with that or a portion of that and, and be mindful of the fact that 
I'm never going to have an, it's like having kids. It's like, you want to wait until you're financially stable. Mm -hmm. That's never going to be right. Mm -hmm. and, and yet we've all had kids and we've all survived and, and, and gone through that. And we do the same thing missionally. It's like, I don't have enough to support myself. How am I going to support somebody else? But we over support ourselves every day by the things that we decide to tap into mm -hmm. outside of the needs that you mentioned, uh, the bills and all of that by doing these extra things and not even thinking twice about it. And with COVID, everything's went up and we're still doing those things. So we've had, more than an abundance of things yeah. we have to have the spirit to be willing to say i'm going to sacrifice and give back uh some of this and not continue to just hoard and, and go enjoy my life in these capacities so um yeah a lot could be said on that and that's probably another message in and of itself but just having that spirit of giving i think is something that we as a body lack because we think we don't have it but in in all actuality we're <laughs> we're swimming in it if we yeah. really think about it and we are rich and we, mm -hmm. we don't treat ourselves as though we are and then yet we fail to to honor the lord with our substance i'll let that breathe but yeah that's very true that's very that's true all right so uh halfway so righteousness um is the third parallel and that's righteousness and wickedness um and this one obviously um we can relate with this one, but I'll be real brief with this one. So the warning is, do not be deceived. There is a path that leads to life and one that leads to death. Uh, choose wisely. Um, and I'm going to use Proverbs 4, um, verse 18 and 19. And it says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter into a full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. We kind of already talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, then moving down into verse 23, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance for for it flows the springs of life put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you kind of what you talked about in, in ephesians 4 let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure and then verse 27 do not swerve to the right or to the left turn your feet away from evil so um just one thing from from righteousness and wickedness parallel is righteousness repents wickedness rejects mm. uh, <laughs> and so um when you have the, your eyes centered and your gaze fixed on the Lord, you allow the Lord to cleanse you through the washing of the word. And so as you continue to walk down the path of righteousness, you begin to realize that you're not righteous in every way. And you allow the Lord to cleanse you through continue to walk down the path of righteousness. Um, Two quick Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 16 and 6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Um, and then 11.5, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. So righteousness points us to the Father, and wickedness separates us from that. So if we continue to walk yeah. towards the Lord in deed and in heart, um, it keeps us in line with the father whereas wickedness separates because we know that obviously um sin the lord is opposed to sin and so that removes us from his community and from that communion that we have with him and as we keep our eyes pointed on him we will repent from the acts that we have and it should lead us to repentance as it says in romans that his goodness should lead men to repentance so if we don't have that heart then when we realize that we're uh forsaking the commandment of the lord um we should have a way to run back to him um, and that spirit should continually. Um, and that's why I love the the illustration of like the lamp and the light, because that light stays on as long as we're connected to him. And when we're not connected to him, that light should point us back to him because we're keeping that fresh. Um, and um, we're mindful of the relationship and the, and the connection that we have with the Lord, that when we're stumbling, his spirit convicts us and compels us to run back to him, not to continue in separation. 
I'm just going to say this one little point about um, when you said righteousness repents, wickedness rejects. And that just, to me, brings back the whole, you know, this is one of my verses, Amos 3 and 3. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so righteousness repents means that when I am confronted with something I did that was in error, in opposition of the word, then I agree that that indeed is truth, that it indeed was wrong, that I need to repent, which means to not apologize solely, but to literally turn away from that thing with an intention of no longer repeating those actions and then aligning myself, like you said before, reformation um, with the word of the Lord. And wickedness would reject that truth when presented. Wickedness would have the audacity to look at the word in the face and see, as Hebrews said, looking in the mirror, you know, and forgetting what manner of man you are, you would see that and not acknowledge it as this is me. This is what I'm doing. This is not right. Like this is, this is what it says, but no, I don't agree with that. So when you hold on to the thing, when you are confronted with the word of truth, with the spirit saying like, you are not right right now. This is what the word says. This is what your action is doing. Um, at that moment, we can either agree or disagree. We can either align or reject it. And so that's exactly what, um, you know, you're saying by this point. And um, it says also in second Timothy, if we're faithless, he remains faithful to his word. He cannot not deny himself. So if you deny me, he'll deny you. Right. If you deny his word as true, he, that means if we are without faith, if we do not believe he's not going to deny himself, you can deny him all day, but he's not going to de deny himself just because you won't. Yeah, that's good. Like I said, I could belabor that one, but I'm, I'm going to let that one breathe. So. <laughs> uh, last but not least is relationships. Um, and we talk a lot about love and unity, um, probably ad nauseum. Um, so yeah. I'm going to try not to believe this one as well, uh, but I definitely want to hit it from a different angle um, today is just the difference between good and bad relationships. And so the warning on this one is that relationships are essential. So treat everyone with love and impartiality. Um, and so um, just two quick points. Um, first one is good lifts and bad sinks. Um, and there was a ton of just like different relations. So I just wanted to pull a little bit um, because, you know, you think about relationships between like employee, employer, you know, husband and wife, you know, father and son, um, siblings, friends, all of that. Um, and so uh, when I think about good lifting, um, you know, a lot of that has to do with um, friendships and, and things like that. But uh, Proverbs 27 um, is where I kind of sunk my teeth in. And verse five and six says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Um, and then 10 and 17 says, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Um, 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Um, what I gathered from that is, do we encourage and empower in our speech and in our times with one another? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm reminded of, you know, Hebrews 10, um, where it talks about, um, you know, not forsaking the assembling, uh, but encouraging one another. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, it talks about encouraging, but also um, in verse 24, it says um, to consider how to stir one another's love and good works. So that consider means that I'm 
studying how to empower you. So yeah. empowerment and an encouragement that goes on in our fellowship with one another. And so in a good relationship, I should be lifting you up mm-hmm. in whatever capacity that it is, whether it's uh, my countenance, whether it's in my ministry, whether it's in my family, like whatever my situation is, our time together should be where I'm encouraged when I leave you. Um, and that is something that I think is something that culturally speaking doesn't happen in the body of Christ to the degree that that passage speaks to. And so um, I think that we should really consider our relationships and what our speech looks like. Cause I actually was kind of sharing with some people and, and we were talking about what fellowship looked like. And uh, a lot of people were just like, yeah, you know, we're hanging out. We do this, we do that. And I'm like, okay, but what is your communication sound like in the midst of that hanging out because if that piece is not being done it's not fellowship it's just friendship and so you Mm -hmm. have to and i think we had um i'm now remembering um you know the podcast we had on friendship versus fellowship what ship are you on oh Uh, wow (laughs) is that um you have to be in a situation where you understand that what is your conversation pointing to because um you know, that empowerment and encouragement is verse 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10. But verse 23, which is the context of that whole thing, starts out by saying, hold fast to the confession of your hope. So if you're in a situation where you're, you're around, and, and in this particular um, situation, you know, there was persecution in the church. And, you know, you had people that were leaving the faith. And so that encouragement was extremely important, but also recognizing the fact that you have hope. So because you have hope, you should already be encouraged. And so you're reminding those of the hope that they have in Christ, because if you have hope, then you have power. And so Mm -hmm. I think that if we can remember that, like, look at what our situation looks like. Like when the situation is heavy, we get hopeless, but we already have hope and we already know what the end of the story is. And so if we're continuing to keep our eyes on Christ, then we should remain hopeful and we should be encouraged and we should be able to encourage one another in that. And so if we remain steadfast to the hope of our calling, then I think that in our relationships with one another, we should be able to inspire a lot better because we know Christ and we know Mm -hmm. the end of the story. So we should be able to lift each other up and find ways to consider how to store one another to love and good work. So um, I kind of went off my notes with that because that obviously is an extreme burden of mine, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. My thoughts just come off the first line that you said from Proverbs 27 about better is open rebuke than hidden love and faithful are the wounds of a friend. If this is what the word says, that it is better to be openly rebuked than secretly loved and that wounds from a friend are faithful, why do we get so upset? Like Paul said, I think we just talked about this. Was it last month when um, we talked about that verse in Galatians? And have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? Mm, Yeah. we can't always be, you know, Hey bro. Hey, yeah. You know, like we can't just be like coddling people all the time and just like, you know, and I'm not saying, and just like you're talking about like studying how to encourage someone when we are thinking and training and discipline our minds through the word of God, like God, his spirit itself, the word conditions us on how to be better people to manage our words and to learn when to be however we need to be with every person. So some people need that little quiet Joel Osteen whisper and other people sometimes need you to be stern with them. Like you just cannot be patty caking with everybody all the time. And I think about how there's different situations where people have spoken to us sternly and we 
couldn't feel some kind of way about it. Like some people did not have soft parents. I'm sorry. Some people had um, teachers who did not play with them. Some people have employers who still to this day are no joke. Like we have people who are harsh for a reason. And I'm not saying that all harshness is always negative because some of it is like harsh and not good, but you can still be hard and stern with someone, but serious and like not offensive. Yeah. You know, like we have to get to a point where we, we don't think that someone's hurting your feelings by telling you the truth. Like, so if the, I'm just looking at the Bible's literally saying to me, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Do I believe that? Mm -hmm. If you're a softie who reads this and your feelings are hurt saying, I don't appreciate open rebuke, you need God to minister to you. You need to be praying to the Lord about this verse. If you don't think that wounds of a friend are faithful to you, I'm sorry. Your friend is not trying to hurt your feelings. Your friend is not being malicious to you when like you just ended that in 1717 saying iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Do you think that iron is soft? Do you think that sharpening is a soft process? It is not. So all I'm saying is, is that sometimes there are going to be some, some hard things that we have to receive and feelings have to be out of the way. Feelings have to be, emotion cannot be in the equation when it comes to receiving the truth. Yeah. And, and I love that because you have to think about it like this, like, if you're in Christ, and, and I like how you, you brought in that uh, 2717, that iron sharpens iron, because iron and iron, the, the beautiful thing about that is that they're the same metal. So first of all, if we're believers in Christ together, like we're traveling down the same path, we're walking step and step, we're in unity from that standpoint, like we share the same God, then we're both iron. Okay, so let's get that mm -hmm. out of the way. And like you said, that sharpening piece. So you have to recognize that if you believe that I'm on the same path that you are, if I'm pointing something out, I'm not pointing it out for my benefit necessarily. I'm yes. pointing it out for your benefits. So that means that I'm sharpening you by what I'm saying to you. Yes. And you have to trust the word of the Lord and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yes. That if I come to you as I'm supposed to in the spirit that I'm supposed to, you should be willing to receive that in its context. Now, I think the reason why people are unable to do that and why i loved how you said that to really just seek the lord on that because if you have a problem with offense you're probably not if i can't talk to you you're definitely probably not letting the lord talk to you because <laughs> because we're probably coming in the same vein i mean obviously i'm not out here like sound like very white like okay you need to do this like that conviction even if i say something to you that i'm coming by way of the spirit the lord is using me to to tell you what i'm telling you so we might not sound the same in how we do it but your spirit should be pricked the same because you're in communion with God. And as you're exposed to the word, the word should be able to have its its refining work in you. So if you're looking at me as the person who's saying it and not the word that I'm speaking. If you struggle with the word that I'm speaking, then you have a struggle probably with the Lord telling you the very same thing, because that's really where the rubber meets the road, is that if you're offended by people telling you what you need to hear, you have to understand that you're probably struggling with the spirit itself. <laughs> right. That's what you need to get to. So um, and here, yeah. here's just the final thing I want to say, and I'm done for real. If you know and believe that I love you, then why would you believe that me correcting you is an attempt to harm you? Yes. The word of God is what I'm using. 
So the word of God is intending to heal, reform and build you. All I'm doing is my part to help build you. So if you don't receive that, then who would you receive? Because the enemy, someone who's not in the camp of the Lord is not going to give you this. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if you're not receiving it from me, you're also not receiving it from the Lord. So who can help you if you don't want it for yourself? Because you're not going to get it from yourself because you are obviously OK with how you are. All right. So, yeah, just to cap that off, um, a couple of relationship do not. Um, and this is taken from Proverbs three. So I'm just going. There's no David in here. It's just straight as the Bible gives it. So uh, Proverbs three, 27 through 31, it says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Twenty eight. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Twenty nine. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Uh, 30. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. And 31. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. So those are some things as we're thinking about the quality of our relationships and even kind of ties into some of the points that we mentioned earlier about, you know, what to do with our riches and all of that. Um, and then now uh, covering relationships. Um, those are just some things that I felt were timely proverbs um, and some things that I think we can even just evaluate our relationships with. Amen. I mean, again, that's one of the biblical checklists that we can just easily go down and say, am I withholding? Am I doing this? Am I not doing this? So I love it. All right. And the last point is uh, the want. So this is your response. Um, so I'll just keep it brief word wise, but um, just kind of as Solomon kind of gave this to his son. Um, in chapter two, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So again, this that attentiveness and attention and inclination. Um, and then obviously the receipt is the reformation. Yes. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Um, and then finally, uh, 23, 23, buy truth and do not sell it by wisdom, instruction and understanding. So what is your response to um, the themes that we brought out, the warnings that we have laid out? Um, do you have a response to that that is uh, challenging you to be reformed? Or do you, will you be responding in the way of a fool where you're rejecting that wisdom and instruction? So, um, yeah, I think that it gives us the, the plea or the call. And then we have um, the ability to listen. Um, and this is the things that he's laid out for us. And then now we have the challenge of what are we going to do about that? And um, hopefully you're choosing the path of righteousness and you're choosing the path of responding and reformation. And that something through these uh, warnings have, have stuck out to you. I mean, again, even in my, myself, I, I spoke to a couple of examples, but even for myself, just thinking of ways I can continually to be more Christ-like in my response to uh, the call for wisdom. So any final thoughts that you have? Yeah, so I have um, three, and I'm just going to fly through them really quickly. Uh, the first one is the idea. Since I started with two Ps, the purpose, the power, I'm ending on the third, which is the pursuit, which goes along with what you're talking about, the want, the response. Do you want God? Are you going to pursue God? Are you going to pursue wisdom? Do you want to pursue wisdom? Um, so 
Proverbs 15 and 14 says, the heart of him that has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. So you would eagerly inquire after it. You're hungry for um, knowledge um, and knowledge of God, knowledge of his wisdom, um, understanding his ways. 15 and 32 says, he who neglects, refuses, rejects, and ignores instruction and discipline despises himself. But he who learns from rebuke acquires understanding and grows in wisdom. So you're only hurting yourself by ignoring um, instruction. And it literally says that you despise yourself, which is really ugly to think about. Um, and then the last thing I just want to share is um, from Hebrews 6, 12 through 14, which says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you have had to learn these truths. You actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you have come to continually be in need of milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. So just to end on that note, I think is totally appropriate. Because, you know, there should be times that when it says that you ought to be teachers, it's not saying that you need to be teaching in the pulpit, teaching in a class, teaching in a group, but you should be able to impart knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to other people. Disciples are not just disciples to be forever at level one, and that's it. Like, we should be able at all levels to teach someone else, to impart to someone else, and by our life, be an example, be a living example to show other people what we have learned, gleaned, what we have heard, received, believed, and obeyed, so that it is something that can continue to perpetuate um, before other people. So that's what I wanted to um, just leave with us as we um, close out. Yeah, and I like that final thing because it speaks to that 2323 about buying truth and do not sell it by wisdom, instruction, understanding, is that when you say that by now you should be teachers, um, the point is that what are we spending our time investing on? Because if we're not in a position to be teachers, then that means that we're not investing in our righteousness. We're not investing in seeking wisdom. We're like we talked about earlier, being a steward for ourselves, for our own pleasures and desires. We need to be able to invest in the kingdom, namely ourselves. Um, and I think that by doing so, we will have the same heartbeat as what these proverbs are, are alluding to. So um, yeah, I, I believe that, that that's our, our joint, uh, challenge and application and uh, appeal is that people will have a desire for the wisdom of God um, through um, having a relationship with the Lord and a desire to please him in, in all, all phases of life, not just, hey, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm here, but because of that, am I willing to continually perpetually walk towards you and be more like you as, as life goes on? And so with that, we need the wisdom, we need counsel, we need people around us to help um, stir us towards that. Um, and our fellowship should be empowering us to do the same. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray to that end. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the wisdom that you uh, gave Solomon to give to us, Lord. Uh, we know that every word um, is uh, inspired uh, by you, Father. And so um, these are not just uh, some man's uh, smart quips that he gives just because he wants his son to, to grow up to be successful. But Lord, these are uh, foundational components um, that come straight from the heart of, of God. And so, um, Father, help us to... 
to be wise, to desire wisdom, to um, set that above all things, Father, to know that you are important, that our relationship with you is paramount, and that we put nothing else above that. Father, help us to, to gain wisdom and insight, and Lord, help us to continually let your word be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Um, Lord, as uh, we heard that final scripture in Hebrews, Lord, we know that we could be in a better position oftentimes, and uh, we revert back to uh, carnal ways, Father. Help us to stay um, on the path of righteousness and to grow into maturity so that we may, we may be more effective for you because you deserve it, and we know that there would be no change unless we step out and say yes to you and that we continue to be on mission um, and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Father, we love you so much, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Her Bro, His Sis. Catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you, our family in Christ. Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Herbro His Sis.